Grace and peace be unto you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our sermon for today will focus on our gospel reading, the first three verses. Where Jesus went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I'd like to read the message version of that same text that says, when Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. And this is what he said, you are blessed when you are at the end of your rope. With less of you, there are more of God and God's rule. God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our collective hearts be acceptable in your sight. For it is you who gives us strength. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Beloved, for the time that I have with you all today and with our text in mind, I would like to preach from the topic, when your rope runs out when your rope runs out. How can a routine traffic stop end in a life lost? That's the question many of us, and especially the family of Tyree Nichols, asked as we heard the news reports and watched the body cam footage of Tyree being beat to death by five Memphis police officers. Initially, I wasn't going to watch the video because for me, Tyree's murder was just a sequel of a real-life horror movie that I've seen, that we've seen far too many times. A horror movie where you can't even walk down the street or stop at a red light without fear of being gunned down or, or turned into a quote-unquote human pinata. A horror movie where because of your subjugated status, poor, black, trans, Jew, etc., you are profiled rather than protected. A horror movie where the soundtrack echoes the cries of another debilitated black man calling for his mama as the ending credits just roll on. And we're left asking the questions, where really does it end? When really does it end? This question is a question of a people who have grown poor in spirit, depleted of breath, and at the end of their ropes, tired of the same old, same old, with tired of the troubles of this world and the troubles in our homes and the troubles in our jobs, tired. Many of us know what it feels like to be at the end of our ropes, to be in situations where it feels like we run out of options and where there seems to be no way out, Situation where it seems like we're in turbulent waters with no lifeline in sight, at the end of our rope, with no way of escape from the troubles of this world, and it seems like there is no hope or help available. And every day, we're finding it harder and harder to breathe, at the end of our rope. 
And so the question for us this morning is, how do you keep from falling when your rope runs out? In the text we find ourselves in this morning, Jesus is beginning the Sermon on the Mount. The time in which Jesus is delivering this sermon is much like the time in which we live now, where the people are trying to survive amid economic and societal brokenness. This was an urban setting that Jesus was preaching in, and Jesus was providing guidance to a community of believers and sought through this sermon to address community concerns for a people who sought to define themselves over and against Pharisaic traditions and Judaism. At that time, there was a struggle between Jesus, who sought to bring good news to the poor, hungry and hurting, and the Pharisees, who were described as hypocrites, and whose mission in life was not to give life, but to use their isms, racism, classism, egoism, sexism, and anti-socialism to lock people out of the kingdom of heaven. To this point, theologian F.W. Beer says that the Beatitudes put forward a conception of human blessedness which completely reverses all the values of any social order that ever existed. The people who were the recipients of this sermon were people who were at the end of their ropes and searching for identity and significance. They were being persecuted, excluded, marginalized, and denied full participation in society. And so Jesus starts off this sermon in a socially radical way by addressing the needs of the hungry, the poor, and the miserable first. Jesus was focusing on encouraging those who were the marginalized of society and assured them that if they would just hold on, things will turn around. Blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for a time will come when you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for in due season you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and defame you on account of your commitment to Christ. Your reward will be great in heaven. Those that were the beneficiaries of God's kingdom, by keeping intact their own righteousness, could be sure that however much they appeared to be victims of society, that they would ultimately be rewarded and vindicated by God. And the text teaches us three things that we ought to do when we are at the ends of our ropes so that we too can receive the rewards of blessedness that God has promised us. And so when our ropes runs out, one of the things that the text teaches us is that to keep from falling, you have to acknowledge your own spiritual poverty. There's a story about a mother who dressed her son in a nice white suit and sent him to church uh, for Sunday school. Well, that Sunday it rained and on his way back from church, he ended up falling in one of the puddles, which put mud all over his new white suit. Rather than get right up, he thought to himself, well, since I already messed up my suit, I might as well play around in this mud puddle a little longer. <laughs> his mother came and saw him playing around in the mud puddle in his new white suit, the white suit that she spent her hard money and paid for. With, with, and, and when she saw him wallowing in the mud, she disciplined him. Well, as the boy was being disciplined, she, he said, but mom, I didn't mean to fall in the mud puddle. And she responded, son, I know you didn't mean to fall in the puddle, 
I'm not disciplining you because you fell in the puddle. I'm disciplining you because you wallowed. Beloved, when you're at the end of your rope, don't find a comfort zone in wallowing. When you wallow, you get more dirt on you than necessary. When you wallow, you put more stress on you than necessary. When you wallow, you criticize yourself more than necessary. When you wallow, you're harder on yourself than you need to be. When you wallow, you become depressed. When you wallow, you can't see hope in a situation because wallowing in itself is a display of hopelessness. Many of us have found a comfort zone in wallowing. And when we are at the end of our ropes, we remain hopeless because we never acknowledge the need of, of God to help us. When, we go, when things go wrong in our lives, instead of asking God to help us, we become like the little boy sometimes with mud all over his new white suit. We indulge in wallowing and then we rationalize our wallowy dispositions. And Jesus is saying to you today the same thing that he said uh, to the man that he helped at the pool of Bethesda, to pick up your mat and walk. You cannot see the work of God, that the work that God is doing in your life. You cannot see the move of God in the midst of the mess if you have found a comfort zone in wallowing. The scripture tells us that no temptation has ever overtaken us that is not common to all people. But God is faithful and God will not put more on us than we can bear. And when we are at the end of our ropes, God will provide for us a way of escape so that we might be able to endure. And get this, in the Bible, blessings are found paradoxically, where you are blessed out of mess. In that way, blessings is the antithesis of your situation. You have to lose your life to gain it. If you want to be first, you have to be last. You have to be poor to inherit the kingdom of God. We are blessed out of mess because it is when we are at our messiest that we are most likely to admit that we are in need of God's help. The text says, blessed are the poor in spirit. In other words, blessed are those who are in need of God and will seek God first. Seek God's kingdom and God's righteousness so that all good things can be added unto you. So in order for us to survive when our rope runs out, we have to acknowledge our need for God. The second thing that we have to do if we want to survive when our rope runs out is we have to stay committed. Jesus went up to the mountain and the text says two things. The text says Jesus went to the mountain and when he, saw the, when he saw the crowds, and the second thing that the text says is those who were apprenticed to him, the committed climbed with him. The crowd that Jesus saw was full of people who were sick and in pain, demoniacs, ep epileptics, and paralytics who heard of the good news of Jesus and had heard of others being cured of the same diseases that plagued them. So the crowds were committed to following Jesus because of what they both heard and experienced through Jesus' ministry, and so that they could be further blessed by him. And then the text says that those who were apprenticed to him, the committed climbed with him. The ones that got the benefit of receiving the blessing directly from Jesus' mouth were the ones who were committed enough to climb the mountain with him. Had they not climbed the mountain, they would not have received the blessing. Those that received the blessings were committed, committed to following Christ wherever Christ went. 
And if you want to be a recipient of the blessings that God has for you, you have to remain committed, understanding that it will take some effort on your part to get to where Jesus is so that you can be a part of the conversation. Blessings are the promises of the kingdom for those who stay committed. And here's the rub. Staying committed to Christ may be a very lonely place. It may be the very thing that separates you from the folks around you. Being committed to Christ will remove you from the crowds because sometimes the message that God has for you is for you and not for everybody else. If you want to be blessed, you have to be committed to following Christ. Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says, Blessed are those that do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord. And on God's law, they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In other words, they stay and remain committed, and in all they do, they prosper. There is a blessing waiting for you, beloved, but you have to remain committed throughout the process and not let the horrors of life cause you to lose hope. Prior to this teaching moment with his disciples, Jesus had just been baptized and received heavenly endorsement from God, who proclaimed him to be the Son of God and declared that in him he was well pleased. Then the scene goes from from that to the wilderness, the place of dryness where Jesus was in the wilderness dialoguing with the devil. He was in the wilderness for 40 days. He was hungry. Jesus was at the end of his rope, but he stayed committed to God throughout the process. When the devil offered him bread, he refused. When the devil offered him to give him the world in exchange for his worship, he refused. When the devil tried to play on his spiritual poverty and convince him to commit suicide, he refused. Jesus remained committed to God in the midst of his circumstances. And as it is told in Matthew's account, after Jesus passed the test, the angels of God were sent to help him. Beloved, God will send help for you when you are at the end of your rope, but you have to stay committed. Those who were committed followed him. Those who were committed climbed with him. Those who were committed were the ones that were encouraged. Those who were committed were the ones who received the blessings and the promise that theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When your rope runs out, you have to stay committed. Winston Churchill once said that success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. When your rope runs out, you have to acknowledge your spiritual poverty. You have to stay committed. And finally, when your rope runs out, you have to simply hold on. When you are at the end of your ropes, when you, we have to understand that the end is not the end. And that when you reach the end of your rope and the only way for you to drown or the only way for you to fall and hit the ground is if you let go. You've received the promise, but you have to hold on and wait for the promise to come to fruition. You cannot inherit the kingdom of God, beloved, if you let go. You have to hold on for the promise, the promise that those who are weak in spirit, that those who are at the end of their rope shall be comforted in the kingdom of heaven will be theirs. Holding on is a requirement for you to receive your blessing. 
I don't want to age myself, but when I was in elementary school, we used to have to do these, gym, these uh, things in gym called fitness tests, right? Which are probably obsolete now. <laughs> and so with the fitness test, you know, you have to run obstacle courses to complete the task within a certain amount of time. One of the hardest tasks for me um, then and even now was the rope climb. In the rope climb, there was a big rope hanging from the ceiling, and our task was to jump on the rope, climb to the top, and then come back down in a certain amount of time. The reason why the rope climb was so hard for me is because I never had any upper body strength. And so I hated when the time came uh, for me to climb the rope because I knew I wasn't going to be able to climb to the top. All I had strength enough to do was jump on the rope and hold on for dear life until the teacher told me that I could jump off. <laughs> All the people in the class who had a point to prove would try to make it to the top every time. But I knew that I didn't have any upper body strength. So for me, my goal wasn't to make it to the top. My goal was just to hold on. My goal was just to hold on because I knew that my passing the fitness test did not lie solely in my ability to pull myself up to the top of the rope, but I could pass the fitness test if I held on for the allotted time that was set for that day. And knowing that to make it through the fitness test, all I had to do was hold on. When I jumped on the rope, I didn't concentrate on making it to the top. I just stayed committed to holding on. And beloved, uh, uh, what God is saying to us now is the same thing that God was saying to me back in my elementary school gym class. That our overcoming does not lie solely in our ability to pull ourselves up, but in how long we can hold on. When you're at the end of your rope, don't let go of the rope. Don't let go of God. Hold on. Hold on to your hope. Hold on to your faith. Hold on to the promises of God that says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I know you're tired, tired of the pain, tired of the hurt, tired of the stress, tired of seeing people dying, but hold on. For they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up as wings on eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Hold on. Don't let go of the rope. Hold on, beloved, just a little while longer. Because the good news today is that in due season, everything will be all right. Amen.